For this day, you've made it for us to rejoice and to be glad in. And we honor you, Lord. We love you. We bless you. We offer up praise and worship to you, Father, as you are the one who is worthy of all praise and honor and glory and power forever. So we thank you, Lord, for inviting us into your presence today. And we ask you to do what you desire during this time we have together in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, 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 amen. So today we're going to talk about the never, never land of impatience. Amen. The never, never land of impatience. <laughs> First Corinthians 6, 9 tells us that unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. So unrighteousness or flesh and blood is a never never land when we talk about inheritance amen uh in flesh and blood is always involved when we are impatient for the things that god has so freely given us it's like uh being a kid again your your dad tells you you're going to go on a a little trip on saturday he tells you that on Wednesday. Most parents learn not to announce things that quick after a while. You know what I'm saying? Just get up one day and say, guess what? <laughs> but uh, most children are impatient because they're looking forward to fun. Amen? God's kingdom is not fun. It's not Disneyland. Now, you, there's joy but that's different than fun. Fun has to do with things that we may do to distract us from our ordinary routine. Or fun begins to be a thing where we kind of let it all hang out. <clears throat> no restrictions, no restraints anymore. Uh, it's something that's kind of totally off the the uh, track of God. But oftentimes it's allowable by God. So that we can get out of that state of being wound up and tense and upset and angry and then come back into normal, normality and recharge ourselves. It's called the weekend. Amen. <laughs> Most people get all wound up and bent out of shape Monday through Friday because they have duties to do in their job. And so then the happy hour starts at five o'clock on Friday and the bar owners hope you stay there for all two days or three days until it's time to go back to work on Monday morning. And uh, that's why they call it happy hour, because they assume that your your job and your work are so taxing and toiling and such drudgery that you need to tie one on to get all of that out of your system. <laughs> And so God then allows us, you know, certain, certain, uh, scheduled breaks, I guess, from a lot of the tension and, and, uh, fatigue we may say we experience when we cry out to Him. He provides rest from us. If you feel like your life is just going one thing after another after another and you cry out to God, He provides rest, which is not necessarily fun, but it's really what we need when we start to cry out for 
uh, a break from what we consider to be normal everyday life or the tension of living or uh, the uh, drudgery of going one day after another with, with it all being the same until we mature and learn how to appreciate sameness. Because there are other alternatives that could happen in your life. That sameness would be very, very desirable to get away from some of those things. So there's always more undesirable things. There's worse sins than boredom. You know, there's worse uh, things in life than having to fit into a routine. There are also things that are, are crisis oriented that come into life, those surprises that we don't like. Uh, you know, sudden loss of a job or sudden uh, loss of, of health or something like that. And so after a while, we begin to appreciate sameness and begin to understand what peace is all about, you know, and, and desiring to be a person who lives in peace rather than somebody who lives in the drudgery and torment of sameness and we want something exciting to happen so that we can be happy and tie one on and and have a big blowout in our, in our systems. And so patience and, and um, the fruit of the Spirit have to do with allowing your life to be built in God so that you can receive an inheritance in him. So uh, when we talk about the blessings of God, it's not fun stuff that just falls in our lap because we've been good for a certain amount of time. Blessings of God are tied to inheritance. So when you talk about inheritance, you put it in a whole different light because not many of us understand laws of inheritance. Why? Because the devil's stolen it from us. Many times we're, uh, a family is doing well for the parents not to live in poverty at the end of their lives. You know, after you've raised your family, bought a home, all of that, if you live very long after that and, and bad health comes upon you, it can easily throw you into poverty. So that many times the inheritance that we thought we had built up diminishes and dwindles before we leave the earth and then you're in poverty and you have nothing really to leave to your seed and your seed seed. The Bible tells us though that a good man does leave an inheritance to his children and his children's children. And so there are ways to circumvent that but they come through uh, having knowledge of God's kingdom and having knowledge of your inheritance in him. And so when we talk about inheritance, we have to understand that there are certain laws governing that so that an inheritance becomes a way of life and not something we look forward to getting one day so that we can have everything that we want all of a sudden. It's a, a continual daily living in the prosperity of God and living in the provision of God, living in the abundance of God and living in the goodness of God. Many times, you know, God promises to to bless us and give us certain things and they're always tied to a purpose. 
You know what I'm saying? God, God is not the kind of God that just wants to make all of his children millionaires so that we can have a million dollars. That million dollars is, as an inheritance is tied to a purpose and we have to be living in that purpose on a continual basis in order to receive more. So your goal should never be, uh, to be a millionaire. I know there are a lot of prophecies floating around in the body of Christ like that in the 80s and 90s. You know, people still, God's going to make you a millionaire. And these people have no skills, no abilities, and not much faith either. You understand what I'm saying? Then you got to understand the purpose for which God blesses his children. Amen. God made Abraham very rich. Why? Because he promised it to him. And as Abraham walked with God, he began to increase in things that God saw he had need of right there in his life. But also, Abraham's inheritance was tied to a purpose. And that is so that he would have enough land and and uh, posterity to take care of the millions and trillions of children God promised him he would have. So the first thing a man wants to do when he knows he's going to have a big family is to make provision for him. And so this is really why God blessed Abraham so early in his life with all the cattle and all that. He set Abraham in a place where he never had to worry that he would not be able to take care of all the descendants that God would give him. You got me? So if God promised you as many children as the stars in heaven and the sand nuggets of sand on the seashore, he would have to make you very rich too. You got me? In cattle, in land, in goods. He also gave Abraham an inheritance in land that was guaranteed by the the uh uh promise that every place the soles of his feet tread he would possess that land and so as Abraham walked with God he began to accumulate an inheritance that would take care of the 12 tribes of Israel and more and beyond and so there must be purpose tied to what God promises us folks it's not just to make you happy that you got a lot of money Because most people who get happy about it aren't very good stewards of it. They don't take care of what they have. Because if they did, they would get more. You understand? You wouldn't be struggling over, well, why hasn't God answered this yet? And maybe if I do this, he'll send it to me and all this kind of stuff. It's always tied to purpose, folks. It's not just... Because you believe, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, there's something more there. It's like many times we'll listen to millionaire ministers and they'll want to say everybody else can have what they have, but that's not true. We're not doing what they're doing. You know, if you had to sign up for all these TV stations and pay for them, pretty soon you, you're over a million dollars in need, you know, for the purpose that God put you in earth for. And the purpose is to send the gospel out worldwide. So as long as they're faithful in that, they'll probably have enough money to cover everything. But can they guarantee that you're going to get that too? I don't think so. 
You got me? So this is what, what all the ministers now are angry at Benny Hinn about. You got me? If you send this much, God will bless you with that much. So, and, and he knew it was coming, so he decided to go ahead and take his lumps and so forth and so on. But there's a little club of people around that you can't speak against. Financial prosperity. Well, it's in the Bible, yeah. But you can't guarantee that everybody sitting on the front row is going to be a millionaire. You understand what I'm saying? You don't know what they're going to do tomorrow. You don't know their faithfulness. You don't know the schedule that God's got them on in their lives. Amen? And so we have to be careful with the inheritance it's not an automatic thing. It's an inheritance. So how is inheritance different from just getting stuff from God? You know, getting answers and getting blessings and all that kind. How is this different? What's the difference? Um, inheritance has a set time for its release into the heir's life. And that set time is set by the Father. So an inheritance has a set time for its release into the heir's life. Part of of the timetable has to do with the maturity of the heir. The heir must have demonstrated maturity before the I guess you can call him a lega, legator <laughs> whoever it is the person leaving him the money <clears throat> before they will be able to release that to them there must be some stipulation of maturity or implied maturity with many people it's chronological age many parents who get more specific will um indicate uh with if that person should be married or not. Uh if they're married they may get a certain portion of it at a certain age and then more is released to them after they're married, have responsibilities, etc. etc. So um God though wants his people to be mature, whole and entire in receiving their inheritance. So you can't want it just because God said he's going to give it to you. It has to fit somewhere into his plan for your life, his overall plan for your life. It has to fit in there in some way. I feel bad for sometimes for ministers who get stuck on pressing about finances because they never seem to be able to get off that train. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I'd be very bored to have to get in front of you and talk about money every time I got in the pulpit. And I would feel that you're starving in some other areas if I did that all the time. Because you you have loved ones, you have hearts, you want to get out and pray for the sick, you want to do all of those things. But if I'm tunnel visioned and I can only see you as far as finances are concerned, you got me? Then there's something wrong there. You can be imbalanced as far as what you receive. 
And everyday people still want to see their family saved. Everyday people still want to see their loved ones healed, you know, or their children uh, smart, able to master their schooling and all that kind of stuff. They still want to see those things. And so that has to be priority. The call of God and what your family is called to do in the earth must be priority as well. And so many times if, if we see a dry area, it's probably because we don't address that enough with our faith, with our prayers, with our understanding of things. And we're just off in la-la land somewhere hoping and wishing that we can get this money that we've been promised to get. You got me? It comes disguised in a lot of different areas. You know, they, they, they cloak it in debt-free. You know, that's that's supposed to be a higher way of living than people who kind of scramble, you know, uh, and, and that kind of thing. There are a lot of people that are debt free, you know, they don't, they don't have much, some of them, but they don't owe anybody anything. You got me? But love. And so uh, I don't think that's going to be the standard for God's people. God's people are going to have to understand that we have an inheritance that's a rich inheritance. And it has to do with the spirit of Christ that dwells in us. We are running to attain to a level of maturity in Christ that God can look down and say he can count on these people to go out and do the things that he needs to have done in the earth, period. Whether we have a lot of money, not have a lot of money, or have a lot of things, not have a lot of things, just think when you leave here, somebody's going to be fighting over it if you, you know, if you don't live it the right way. And so if you, if it's not to serve you while you're, you're living and serve God's kingdom while you're here, what is it for? Amen. What is it for? So we have the things that are promised to us in God come as inheritance. They don't come as as blessings to just fall out of the sky and dump in our lap that we can run around and get excited about and have them anytime we want to. Amen. So that we can squander them. We said already flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about inheriting a kingdom. Not things. Amen. We're inheriting a kingdom. Jesus talked about how we knew the kingdom was manifesting. Amen. Uh, kingdom comes and, and he never mentioned money in talking about manifestations of the kingdom. He talked about casting out devils. He said, if I cast out the devil by the finger of God, then the kingdom of heaven has come near you. Amen. He also talked about repentance. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is a holy kingdom. It was very different than Caesar's kingdom. Caesar's kingdom was built on military power. It was built on a great deal of wealth. It was built on a handful of men who ruled over the whole world. It was a very material kingdom. Jesus repeatedly said, my kingdom is not of this world. So the kingdom that we represent is going to look and function very differently than the world's kingdom. So we have to understand that and we have to appreciate it. So we are inheriting a kingdom. We're not inheriting things. Amen. 
We inherit a kingdom. This kingdom has certain characteristics to it. It's an everlasting kingdom. That means it didn't start with you. It doesn't end with you. And you can't alter it. It was here from the beginning. And you just have to find out how you fit into it. That's that's the best way I can explain it. Amen. And so God wants us to inherit this kingdom. So what does that mean? Well, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy among other fruit of the Spirit in the Holy Spirit. So it's a life in the Spirit. Now, why is that important for us to understand? Well, a life in the Spirit actually is superior to anything you have here in the natural. But if we're so focused on natural things all the time, we forget that and we never get to experience it. So that's why it comes to us as an inheritance. And we have to obey the laws of inheritance in order to inherit the kingdom. In order for that kingdom to come down and settle in on us. And we begin to manifest the kingdom of God. We have to understand how to appropriate it by laws of inheritance. So what does that mean? Well, inheritance number one, you know your flesh is not involved in it. This is a holy kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. And it's a spiritual kingdom of life in the Holy Ghost. That's not hard to master. We just have to stay focused on that being what the kingdom is. Life in the Holy Ghost is the kingdom of God. Can't add anything to it. Can't take away anything from it. That kingdom rules and reigns over everything that the kingdom down here on this earth has to offer. So actually the spiritual kingdom dictates what you see in the natural realm. How do you know that? Because you pray. If you didn't believe that, you wouldn't offer up a prayer to God. You pray so that his kingdom will come, his will will be done. On earth, just like it is in heaven. So we actually bring heaven down here on earth because heaven is superior to earth. Other than that, we'd be sending earth up to that way. So we know in our hearts that there's more power in the spirit realm. There's more, uh, uh, there's more, uh, abundance in that realm. There's more everything because we're constantly drawing from that realm and bringing it down here. If it were the reverse, we we wouldn't say a prayer. We just let things go on as they are. In fact, most people do. They get upset when they can't get enough of something. And then they want to pray so they can get more of it. Pretty soon they begin to learn that an inheritance does not work like that. Amen. So we're here to learn how an inheritance operates. In Matthew 11.25, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon me and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The world will put heavy burdens on you. And I think sometimes that's why people try so hard and pray so hard to get things coming to them in a material sense. Because they don't understand that Jesus provides an easy life while the world provides a hard life. A hard life really comes through the curse of the broken law. 
whenever you live in the, in the, uh, um, reality of what that broken law does, then you take on the burdens of the broken law. You got me? Like, like when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they, they descended into fear. They hid from God. They were ashamed. They, these are burdens on the human soul. You can't tell me when you feel ashamed of something, you feel good about yourself. You don't. These are burdens. And so Jesus said, if you'll take my yoke upon you, what does that mean? That means hook up to him. Connect with him. You connect with him through the spirit. You connect with him through the new birth. You connect with him through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You connect with him through the blood of Jesus. So he says, when you connect with me, I'll teach you who I am and how my kingdom operates. And that is step number one in qualifying for your inheritance from God. And you never quit learning. You never disconnect from the yoke to Christ. Now we do it all the time. We sin. We forget. We get mad. We get testy. We get all these things. But eventually you learn better. You repent. You come back and connect with Christ again. That's how the kingdom operates folks. He knows we're going to disconnect. Don't beat yourself up because you can't do everything perfectly. Just repent, humble yourself, come back to, come back to Christ. And so, <clears throat> when we allow Jesus to teach us laws of the kingdom, we begin to qualify for our inheritance. That's a command. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. When, when, uh, they would yoke animals together, they would take a more experienced, more powerful animal and yoke him to a less experienced and powerful animal so that the weaker, inexperienced animal would have to follow the stronger one. You got me? And that's what Jesus, that's the implication here. Jesus is powerful, stronger, more experienced in the things of the kingdom. He says, let me into your heart. And learn to follow me and obey me. And I will teach you the laws of the kingdom. I'll teach you how to receive your inheritance. So we begin to qualify for our inheritance when we yoke ourselves up with him. In the household of faith, basic needs are met. Everybody that belongs to Christ has basic needs met. Is the same as if you had children in your home. You clothe all of them, you feed all of them, you give them all shelter. And that's the basics of what God promises us, food, clothing, and shelter. What happens is, if we get distracted from the understanding that we are entitled to that by virtue of sonship about as far as being adopted by God, you're entitled to be taken care of. Okay, that's a given. That's not something you have to work yourself up to believe. It's not something you have to work very hard at. Um, God just gives you that reassurance. Got me? Now what happens is the enemy comes to plant ideas in your head to make you think that you're not entitled to it. You got me? He'll tell you, oh, you can't have that, or 
Who do you think you are? God's not going to do that for you. Look at what you did. You miss, you miss church. You miss this. You miss that. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You can't have it. That's not true. God will always take care of us. Amen. He will always take care of us. Now, you can get yourself in a mental condition to where you don't expect it and you'll miss it. But it's not that God's not taking care of us anymore. You got me? He is taking care of us. So you've got to get some things like under your belt faith-wise for you to have peace. Because he wants us to have peace about the provision that he brings us on a regular basis. Now why do we run out of provision? It's because we don't manage it properly. And we're all guilty of that. We get excited about something or, you know, you stay a little too long on one of your favorite websites or something like that. I'm guilty of that. And, uh, you know, you sit there and you think about it. Well, I could use this here and I could use that. And pretty soon you got <laughs> piles of stuff that you have never used, so forth and so on. Uh, you know, and, and so it takes discipline, in other words, to be a good uh, air, you know, of what God has for us. So in the household of faith, basic needs are met. And we're on the level of servants then. Amen. But we are in line for our inheritance. We must obey basic laws of God in order to be cared for. In other words, you got to keep faith in your provision. You just can't sit there and let the devil pour doubt into you and think you're going to be peaceful and, and understand that you, you have, you are taken care of. And there are some Christians, it takes them a long time to master this level. You understand me? I mean, this is like level one, but many people take a long time to get it in their, their spirits that God will take care of them. And continually exercise faith for it. So this is a faith walk. But you must keep your faith out there continually. For the peace of God to stay settled in on you. So that you will know that God will provide for you. Other than that it's going to always be in jeopardy. Amen. You know you, you'll you say oh this will work until this. Ha- or this will be good until. this." We're always looking for that until thing. To happen to us and then we feel like we'll lose it all. So this is a challenge to our faith. Amen. That we must believe that because we are in the household of faith we are cared for. You live in God's house. You have a seat at his dinner table. You have a closet in the house. You have a bed in the house. You have shelter over you. You have everything that you need. So you must stay in the house in order to have that privilege of of continual provision. So what do I mean when I say stay in the house? Well, the prodigal left the house. What left, what caused him to leave his father's house? Huh? Why? So what does that mean? When you want it right now, you're impatient. And so that's how we leave the household of faith. Impatience drives us out. And then we're looking for a faster way to get what God has for us. You got me? So we don't understand the laws of inheritance enough to stay in that place of peace.
peace and contentment and allow God to lead us to it or bring it to us. We step, step out of the house and we lose everything. That's what happened to this young man. He stepped out of his father's house and he lost everything that he had up until that point. When he repented though and returned to the father's house, he got everything back. So this is why some people's lives seem to be roller coaster, up and down, yo-yo. You got me? They're, they're living high one minute and next minute, boom, sweating it again because they are continually impatient for something that they don't really know. You got me? It's it just the word more kind of sticks in their brain or, or, I can have this and that sticks in their brain. And so it's a continual uh, impatience that comes and then we bottom out and then we're back in debt again and we can't see our way through. But yet you think God's going to make you a millionaire. Got me. And so anybody observing you from the outside can look at that and say, now that's kind of a silly way to live. You know, this person, you know, people who really are true millionaires have a plan and they increase and increase and increase year over year over year. They don't have that roller coaster slide back. If they do, it's short lived because if they've got anything going for them, they'll get up and try it again. Uh, then some of them just realize they don't have it and they just go back and live a normal life. You understand what I'm saying? But, but it, there are ways to be people who increase all the time and get there. Most millionaires will tell you that they have a plan and they save more than they spend. That is a consistent law about wealth. Is that there is a plan for saving and people save more than they spend. That's how it accumulates. If you're not a person that has that mentality, if you're always looking for the newest thing here and the newest thing there, that's not, you don't have the discipline for it. You got me? And so that is one of the, the requirements for our inheritance in God is discipline. Amen. Discipline means walking in the spirit and allowing maturity to take over. Mature people don't get excited about the bottom line, whether it's big or whether it's small. Accumulated wealth means very little to mature people. Why? They discipline themselves to the everyday uh, purpose that they're living for. So instead of living for the end result, you live for the day to day. Got me? People who have accumulated wealth enjoy their work. Amen? They are involved in life. They are involved in, in things that pertain primarily to the vision that they have before them. So if, if we have a discipline, in the body of Christ that's leading us to our inheritance. We know how to walk in the spirit. We know how to allow maturity to take over. We know how to live out of the fruit of the spirit. 
and live out of all the fruit of the Spirit, not just certain ones that we like. Amen? It's like you'll find some people that, you know, I mean, calorie-wise, nutrition-wise, all of that, most fruit is the same. But everybody has their favorites. You know, you'll show somebody uh, like a kiwi. Oh, I don't like that. You never tasted it. Amen. And so this is the way the fruit of the spirit are. Well, we think we don't like, like people say meekness. Oh, I didn't know that was a few. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to take the, the humble route. So we don't appreciate meekness as a fruit of the spirit. Amen. There's all kind of little sayings that meekness don't mean weakness. You know, just all have all these negative connotations and it's a fruit of God's spirit. You know, it's part of the Holy Spirit. There's meekness dwelling in all of us. Amen. If somebody says something to me and it's out of line and I have every right to rebuke them, meekness will tell me, well, don't get excited about this. You know, just forgive this person. Let's move on. And you know, see if that works to <laughs> to help them to. You understand what I'm saying? You you need to do those things sometime. You don't need to be contentious with everybody all the time. Amen. That's what meekness is for. So meekness will knock on the door of your heart and say, "Okay, try me." And if you're used to flipping off at everybody and telling everybody off and getting them straight, you won't know meekness is knocking near at your door. And when you invite meekness in, you'll be afraid to operate in meekness because you'll think, well, they're going to run over me. If I if I don't say something back, they're going to do it again. They're going to run over me. It's all pride. Stupid. Amen. Just silly. And so maturity helps us to learn how to partake of all of the fruit of the Spirit when they're offered to us by the Holy Spirit. So you have to be more in tune to your innards than you are to your outards. you got to be more in tune to what God is speaking to you, how to respond in certain certain areas than being in the flesh and responding the way you think, you know, your, your prideful self wants to do things. There's certain fruit of the Spirit that are seldom touched by people. That's why we... See them as hallmarks of maturity. Patience is one of them. Meekness is another one. Amen. Self-control is another one. Those are the richer fruits of the Spirit. But they're not the ones that we commonly think of as being associated with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Kindness is another one. If you're going to adopt kindness, then you have to fight the devil against retaliation when people aren't kind to you back. You can't be a person who keeps score. When I was nice to them, I don't know why they treat me so bad. Got me? And you'll never know why. But you just got to keep being kind. You understand what I'm saying? When kindness is offered as a fruit of the Spirit to you to deal with certain things, then you have to yield to that fruit because that's the one that's going to work for you in that situation. You got me? You can't just make this up and say, I'm just going to be kind to everybody. The fruit of the Spirit well up on the inside of you and they're appropriate for certain situations. You got me? 
So you have to yield to them as they come up on the inside of you. It's like God is saying meekness is what you need to to how to deal with this situation with this person right now. Another situation similar with another person, he might say gentleness is how you deal with this one right now. You got me? You have to learn how to walk in the spirit. That's what that means. Walk in the spirit. And you won't obey the lusts of the flesh. You won't get carried away with things. You won't keep an attitude. You won't be defensive when people say things to you. You have to put down carnal weapons if you're going to receive your inheritance in God. Amen. God would love to be able to trust more of his people with more things. But we have to let him train us to be trustworthy. Hmm? David was falsely accused by King Saul and he ran from him. Saul wanted to kill David. In fact, he David was a hunted man. Anybody in Israel could have killed him probably for a bounty. Saul would have paid him for that. But David ran from Saul instead of confronting him. And he did it for some records are 12 years, 13 years. He did it for all those years. Now, David was anointed king. Why couldn't he just kill Saul and take the throne? It's a scripture. Touch not mine anointed. Saul was the anointed of God. David had no power to to touch him. Kill him, anything like that. You got me? So you can only do what you have authority to do. You can only do what you have license to do. And you have to restrain yourself from doing anything else. That's maturity. And it took David 13 years running to mature to the place where he had that ingrained in him. You got me? You can know it up here. But on a day-to-day basis and people are surrounding you and confronting you and you got to pack up your wife, your children, everything else and run from them some more. Gets a little weary after a while, folks. Most people wouldn't be able to endure it. That ought to give you a hint about why there's people in your life that continually rub you the wrong way. And you can't get rid of them. They serve a maturing purpose. Amen. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things that it's a reality check for us. Who are you that you can get rid of everybody you don't like out of your life? Why are you so important? See the foolishness there? Because if it's okay for you, it's okay for other people to get rid of you too. If they don't like you, you got me. And so we have to learn how to mature into our inheritance in God's kingdom. I'm telling you, he would give a lot of us a whole lot more if we'd stay consistently under his discipline. So discipline yourself to walk in the spirit, allowing maturity to take over. 
and allow the different fruit of the spirit to come up within you and you yield to those. If you yield to the spirit of meekness, you won't have that uh, hangover of I feel stupid for not telling them off. You've been there? I've been there. You know, you, oh, I should have said, you ever have your mind tell you that? Should have told them. Nah, 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 nah. Well, what happened is you just rebuked the Holy Ghost within you. Huh? We all on the same page here? You've just told the Holy Spirit that he gave you bad advice. So you gotta rebuke yourself. You gotta rebuke that thought and say, God forgive me for adding that in there and listening to the devil like that. I thank you for teaching me how to yield to meekness instead of anger and letting things and getting in strife and letting things escalate and fuming all day long so that the next person I talk to gets the brunt of what I've been carrying all day instead of releasing it through forgiveness. You got me? This is how this is how maturity works, folks. We all have to go through our paces. You know, as Christians, we're funny. We won't watch ourselves, but we sure watch everybody else to see if they're nice, not nice, mean, talking rough, huh? We're good at watching everybody else except ourselves. God never told you to do that. Hmm? He told you to guard your own heart. Judge yourself so you not be judged. Amen. In other words, don't look at the little speck in your brother's eye and you got a beam in yours. Huh? How'd you get the beam? Cause you're out of order. You, you're blinded into thinking that you're the police, you're the spiritual police, instead of letting the Holy Ghost do his job. Amen. And so we have to always be aware that we are the one, one that's needing the help. You know, God is there in us to help us to be the kind of people we need to be. You're not there to judge others and determine if they're kind, not kind, if they're, oh, yeah, I don't see how they could do that. I don't know. Got me? We have to drop the judgment on everybody. You drop it off of other people, you'll drop it off yourself. You know, that thing, it has a boomerang effect on you because you'll find you wind up tormenting yourself with a bad conscience about things if you don't release other people. You know, so God doesn't let us out of that too, too easily. Amen. There's somebody that's talking to somebody and they were talking about somebody they work with. They complain all the time. I said, yeah, they'll probably be there till they retire. Complaining, discouraging everybody around them if you listen to them. Amen. But they will be there. There's some people that are planted. They're going to complain, but they're not going anywhere. They never move on. You know what I'm saying? They need to. You'd like to have them out of your your life. Just mind their complaining devil before you go in there and demand peace. Amen. All right. So the other thing we we talked about, uh, we must learn 
the business. Learn the kingdom business. Amen. So in, and I really was thinking in terms of comparing this to a natural inheritance. Children who have family wealth. That if that wealth is created through a business of any kind, they must learn the business. So our first order of business is take his yoke upon us and learn of him. We have to then learn how to manage our inheritance. When you learn management, you learn how to use your time, your resources, and other things related to your inheritance. So we have to be lawful and consistent in our obedience. You need to get understanding of your gift call and being content in it. Understand your gift call and be content in it. Now, people who have been here for any length of time are called to be watchmen. Now, they won't all say it. They don't all think it. But when you show up in response to something consistently, that's a call. See, a lot of people don't know how to recognize that. If you know this is where you're supposed to be, that means you're called there. Amen? Now, when people generally think of a call, they think about Fivefold, you know, that's not all you're ever called to. There are people who are called to parenthood. There are people who are called, you understand what I'm saying? You respond to a, a desire within you, so to speak. It's as simple as that. But you need to learn how to be content in it. You understand what I'm saying? You can't let the devil keep poking at you and picking at you. And saying this isn't for you and then you get critical of everybody else around you and pretty soon you're sitting out somewhere really wishing you could get back in. Amen. <laughs> I remember there was a person that left the ministry and they had left because they didn't want to submit, you know, and, and uh, it just wasn't. Wasn't what I thought needed to be done. So I asked them, I said, well, if you can't submit and obey here, I said, you might as well leave. I said, I hate to tell you that. I said, but there's no point being here. I said, and if you continue to be discontent, it's going to rub off on other people, especially weak people who don't know how to, you know what I'm saying. So I prefer it if we could do that. And we did, and I told him, I said, if in the future you feel like you want to, you've changed, you want to come back, I said, we welcome you. I said, I hate to see you leave. I said, but we can't have people here challenging the authority of the pastors here. I said, this won't be tolerated. And so they left, and, and four years later, they wanted to come back, and, and uh, we said, sure, you know, come in. When you return after being gone, you need to go to the leadership and tell them what happened. You know, tell them what you've learned and understood and how you feel you can fit back in again. The problem with many people is they come back and they never say anything to anybody just sitting up in the chair 
You know, no, and see, if you're a person who, who can live with misunderstanding, then you're not really fit for the kingdom. You have to fit yourself for the kingdom. And in, in God's family of people, you can't have people that you're doubtful about and feel comfortable working with them, trusting them, all kinds of things. It just, it does not work. It doesn't work. And so that person was honest enough to come back and, and ask if they could be back in the congregation. They said, I'm so very sorry. I thought I could be someplace else. And they said this, I've been to seven different churches since I left here. And I never felt any of them was the right place for me. She said, and I began to pray and God said, go back to the watchman where you came from. And so they, they returned. It was peaceful. You know, no problems whatsoever. And, and, and they fit right in. It was like they'd never been gone. You understand what I'm saying? And it can be like that if we'll allow maturity to come in and we'll allow respect for one another to rule. You know what I'm saying? And so being content in your gift and calling is very important. Because many times people don't know that they're responding to a call. They don't know how to get content because they're always letting the devil poke at them and say, you should be over here. And, you know, why are you over here with them people? And it's, you know, you never find a husband over there. There's no men over there. All that kind of nonsense. It comes at people. Boom, 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 boom. And you got to learn how to fight that off and not let your soul start to fight against what your will and your heart want to do. And so that's how people get talked out of obeying God. They just don't clean house within and make the devil leave them alone. Got me? Devil, I'm here. I'm staying here. You leave me alone about it. I'm not going anywhere. Got me? You'll have people, I've had people come, I can't tell you the people say, God sent me here. I'm going to do this and, and pretty soon they're gone. You know, God didn't send you here anymore, apparently. You know, they don't know how to deal with a bad conscience, with a lying spirit that lies to them, and with a spirit of discontent that just never wants them to have peace about anything. Amen. So, so learning, um, so understanding your gift call and being content in it is very important. That's an important aspect of managing your inheritance. So if you've got something in you that God placed in there that's going to provide for your future, provide for your inheritance, provide your living for you, spiritually speaking, you've got to understand what it is and be content and quit fighting with the devil over it. You also have to learn what activities in your life add to your maturity or foster maturity what things do you do that foster maturity think about it think about some of the things that you do see many times we just do our little job in church and don't think much about it and come and go and but but discontent can set in very easily if you don't understand how these activities add to your maturity. Like for me, oftentimes, uh, um, uh, 
challenging things that are challenging to me add to my maturity maturity things that cause me to let go of some of my control over things and just really let trust God to bring things in and bring things out you know because you get accustomed to doing things a certain way and and you you picked up those habits or you picked up those those uh ways of dealing with things for a purpose you know they serve a purpose they keep things going they keep things functioning they keep things rolling all that kind of stuff and so sometimes it's hard to let go of some of that and where God would say, let me try something new. Let me bring this in or let me help you with this and just let go of that. And, and I'll let you see how this works. Something else will work along with that as well. Some of those things challenge me to not keep a tight, such a tight rein on the activities that go on. Some things I know the devil is going to fight me over. And I have to stand in a posture of defending them and strengthening them because there are things that, that distinguish the school of the prophets from a church or, a, you know, a Bible study or something like that. So those distinguishing things that are a little unique and not every day, uh, you have to really Stand guard and fight over because the devil doesn't want you to do them. Because he wants you to dissolve into an everyday, you know, cookie cutter type of, uh, uh, thing instead of what God called you to be. And so we, we have to, you really do have to defend those things. You know, if they, if you see that, that they're being challenged and you see that they're, uh, being, um, uh, torn down or, or in some way, you have to kind of, Gird up your loins and strengthen, strengthen yourself in those areas. You, you got me? Because if, if you let it go, there's, then you dis, displease God. You'll know it real quick. If you let certain things go, you just, you know, like people say, well, I don't see how you do it. Every, no, don't, don't try to see how I do it. Cause you're not called to do it. So you'll never see how. It's not even worth having a conversation over. You understand what I'm saying? I do it because I'm called to do it. Period. End end of conversation. No, I'm not doing anything extraordinary. I'm doing what's necessary. What I'm called to do. So, uh, learning what activities foster maturity and stay with those activities. It's very important in receiving your inheritance. Being on time with God at all times helps you with your inheritance. You gotta know number one what God's calling you to do, what He's expecting of you. Be on time with it at all times. Treat it as a holy thing. You must always treat your inheritance as a holy thing. That means it can't be lumped in with the rest of the things on your agenda. And if you run out of time, you can omit what God wants you to do. That's immaturity. You got me? I found that most people, if they're smart enough, 
to discipline themselves to do it anyway, they find they have more time than they ever thought they had. I'm going to say it again. I found that if people will discipline themselves to do things anyway, they find they have more time than they thought they had. And God, if you're spending your time in God, you don't run out of time. You get more. Man, that becomes part of your inheritance. It becomes part of your, what you need from God. Man. You also, if you're, if you're managing your inheritance, one, the loss of inheritance is not to bankrupt the business. Amen. Don't bankrupt the business. Amen. In other words, don't ride the edge with God. You understand what I'm saying? Don't, don't gamble everything that He's invested in you on a little bit of fun because you're impatient for what you think He's promised you. You got me? That's how you bankrupt the business in God. You start to treat it as an unholy thing. Amen. Impatience leads to debt. Amen. It leads to debt. One of the other things we have to learn, and we talked about it a little bit uh, as far as maturity is concerned, is how to listen to, seek, and obey wisdom. You have to learn how to seek the word of God for answers. And also you can seek spiritual authority for answers. But when wisdom speaks to you, you have to respond to it correctly. And many times the voice of wisdom sounds hurtful, harsh, or mean to the flesh ears. Most people will ask questions and they're looking for you to say a certain thing. You understand what I'm saying? It's like everybody wants you to say, oh yeah, that's good, that's fine, God will do that for you. But if you come across somebody who wants to give you wisdom from God and help you to get a a greater understanding or something like that, it might shock you that they don't come up with the answer you think you want to hear. But your ears need to be, your spiritual ears need to be open to the voice of wisdom anyway. And that's how you stay in your inheritance. You have to be able to receive wisdom. And it's not always the answer you want. The other thing we have to learn how to do is use our abilities wisely. They must be devoted to kingdom and inheritance purposes. In other words, keep it in the kingdom. Amen. 
Keep it in the family. Keep it in the kingdom. Keep it in the family of God. You see a lot in the epistles about uh, taking care of the household of faith first. Uh, making sure that, that the people of God, you know, the necessities of the saints take care of those things first. And so the use, the wise use of your abilities and your resources, it must be that they are devoted to kingdom and inheritance purposes first. People who run out of things, really all they need to do is reprioritize how they utilize what they have. Just real reprioritize how you spend what you have and make it line up with what the word says, how it's supposed to be. You got me? If you'll do that, then you'll find at the end of the day you have abundance of all things. But many times we're we're so accustomed like there are some people I, I just cringe when I look at it. They're, they never have, they always need an emergency, you know, got a bill that's, they're short for a need prayer for this or that. But you see them every time you see them, they got a Starbucks cup in their hands. It's five dollars. If you do that every day. I, you know what, I, I read this, um, I started reading this book. It's a good book. You know, I, books, I, I get them on Kindle and I'll get, I'll read enough to know where it's going and all that. And if it's really, really meaty, I can continue reading it. But, and this book is good. It's, it was written by a couple who went from being broke all the time. I think they're millionaires now and they did it by just doing some simple things of saving. And the first thing that they did was they they cut out all discretionary spending. That means you just get some money and give spend what you want. They stuck with bills first. They dedicated a certain amount to savings, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that was interesting for me was this: the the man was saying that that when he said we got rid of discretionary, he said I realized that I could start taking my lunch instead of buying it. He said, and then when I stop buying that coffee that I get every morning just to have it, and it gets cold at my desk, kind of thing. Got to watch waste too. If you're, you know, you just don't don't do certain things. But he said that he he took that money that he would have spent and put it in savings. He said they had a family emergency where they needed to fly to visit some relatives. It was that kind of emergency. They, they, he and the wife both needed to do that, and they were looking at well, we got something in savings. We got, I mean, their general savings that they had, and then the, you know that kind of stuff. And they said well, we don't touch that savings. You know, we just can't afford to do it. And the husband realized he said, oh, you know what? I started putting that. I start putting that aside. I don't think he opened a bank account for he said I start putting it aside instead of using it they went and counted it up they had enough money for two plane tickets and for everything else they needed whereas that would have been an emergency that's out of just the unnecessary spending that they were doing it's not necessary to eat out people taking their lunch forever fact eating out was something that people did rarely special occasions now it's like every day 
for many people. And so we have to realize that, that there are better ways to be good stewards. It's like I hear these people on, um, who is that guy? Uh, the, what's his name? Oh, he's a financial. We're debt free. That guy, the Christian guy. He does financial peace university and he's, oh shoot, Dave Ramsey. Yeah. He, um, he has people on there that, you know, they, their, their big goal is to get debt free. One thing that I've understood, what I see happening with these people, most of it's college tuition debt. If you cannot get that, that thing started, you're a lot better off. But they'll have a lot of debt from school loans. That's a big killer. But the stuff that he tells them to do is just what people in my parents' generation did by common sense. See, we've lost common sense somehow. And now everybody's running around doing this, that, and the other, and they're in debt and they're miserable. They don't know how they got there. He'll tell them to do things. He said, well, if you want to reduce the debt faster, you eat beans, which that means you eat at home. You don't get anything expensive. You eat just to fill yourself up. Treat yourself every now and then. Do it like my parents did it. My parents never went out to dinner. You know, there are a lot of people who never went out. You got me? And so when you find that that the common sense things are making people wealthy, you think to yourself, hmm, this isn't as hard as it sounds when you're sitting there thinking God's going to make me a millionaire. It's not that hard. You got me? It's not that hard. And so if we'll do just some basic common sense things <laughs> that that spell discipline, that still spell God can trust us with more, that spell we're mature, that we don't have to have everything impulsively in our that our minds tell us to do, that we don't have to be thinking about spending all the time. If we can do those things and be content, quit bugging yourself about things and quit letting the devil bug you about things learn how to be content all right so the other one we need to do learn how to have a wise use of our abilities we said that keep it in the kingdom don't squander your abilities and your talents out in the world you know Preachers now are tempted because they want to be motivational speakers. That's not the same thing. Musicians always want to get the hit single, the hit this or the hit that. You know, God may not want you to be the hit person. You got me? Keep your hits in the kingdom. man. Learn how to be devoted and quit letting your mind wander out there like that. Learn to give. That's a big one. Giving and receiving are kingdom principles that keep the kingdom increasing. When the kingdom increases, you increase. Amen? There's no two ways about it. An inheritance is really defined as the practice of passing on property or other rights or obligations after a person's death. You're an heir after the death of the person 
who has written the will, a man passes on. So when Jesus died, he was heir of all things. And when he died, he paid off our debts. So we don't inherit debts in God's kingdom. Amen. Our kingdom is debt free. So you're debt free because you're born again. Not because something is written down on paper and it disappeared. This is how people get bound up in legalism and works and all that. We think we're paying off a debt. And that debt that we have in the natural is legitimate and real. We're debt free. By virtue of the blood of Jesus. If we declare that more, live like that, and let that permeate our thinking instead of working, working, working to get debt free, get, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pay off everything. It's like a little gerbil. You know, just running on a wheel, debt free wheel. I was talking to somebody and they were saying, I'm working on being debt free. And I said, will you have any property? Well, I just don't think I'm supposed, oh, no, I disagree with you. You're supposed to have property. Huh? Don't pat yourself on the back for something God's already given you. Let's just cut this out, okay? Let's be normal people here. Let's be real. Let's talk about real things. But if it were not from the for the blood, you wouldn't even be able to pay your bills. You understand me? So everything against you has been canceled, period, by virtue of the blood. Amen? Christians are getting to this, the competition with each other. We pat ourselves on the back. You got debt. I'm debt free. Like, I'm better than you. You have nothing either. Got nothing but notes and bills like every, you know what I'm saying. I mean, come on now, folks. We don't box each other in with these petty things. Get these petty ideas out of your thinking. We live in a holy kingdom. We are holy people. We are uh, uh, priests unto the most high God. That's what needs to be exalted. Not all this other silly stuff. My parents were in debt, out of debt, debt free, in debt again, out of debt. In <laughs> you go have a lot of ups and downs in life. You can't control them. And the minute you try to, you're going to slip up and mess up again. So let's get this straight. There's no status in in certain things. Cut it out. And learn how to deal with what's real. What are your relationships like? What's your family like? Are they sold out to God? Your kids ought to be out passing out tracts, loving God, and turning the world upside down. Why are you focused on things that are going to perish? Let's put all that energy, all that spiritual energy, into something that's going to be eternal and cut this nonsense out. It's foolishness. Total foolishness. God did not give us a kingdom that perishes. 
We have an eternal kingdom inside of us. We need to release. The Bible says creation groans waiting on the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God. Most Christians don't even notice in the Bible or what it means. Because they're chasing something else. My call and oh Lord. You know what I'm saying? We're all called. You know, you need to be working in it. Show me some fruit that proves you're called. We've got to get serious, folks, about what God's doing down here. We can't continue to get diverted and pulled aside with nonsense that most of it will never happen for us. I got news for you. Mostly because we, we're not called to all that stuff that we're claiming. But you are called to serve God. You're called to preach the gospel to every creature. You're called to lay hands on the sick, see them recover. And if along the way God gives you special insight and revelation on how to make some extra money, go for it. But let's do first things first, Father, folks. Let's get this together and and please God. Amen. Father, thank you for your word and for understanding, for giving us revelation and knowledge. Thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus, who made us debt free. We're debt free when we were born again. And we thank you. You can't get any higher than that, what Jesus has done for us. So we love you, Lord, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen.